0: Hey there, everyone. We are back with another fascinating and important conversation on the Empowered Jewish Living podcast. Pesach, the holiday of Passover, is coming closer and closer. And you know what that means for Jews all around the world. This is Pesach Cleaning time. People will turn over their house and search high and low for any remnants of chametz to take all of that non-kosher for Passover food products out of your home in order to properly observe the holiday of Passover. However... It is also the spring season, and that also means that it is spring cleaning time, and people want to use this opportunity to clear up their house and to create some change and freshness and renewal in their environment. And the question every single year becomes: Well, are these two things one and the same? Uh, you know, do people conflate these two things and turn Pesach cleaning into spring cleaning, and you know, sort of? overstress themselves, trying to bridge together these two things, which technically are two completely different things. However, I would like to perhaps push back and say, well, maybe they're not really such different things. I mean, if you think about the whole theme of Pesach, specifically, we're going to have the night of the Seder. Seder is about order. And we know that in the books of personal growth, many of the traits that Are emphasized as being traits of growth are being orderly and having Seder and being clean and having a clean environment. And we know also in the world of self help, the world of personal development, there is more of a focus on creating a clean environment around us that will bring us a certain amount of peacefulness, mindfulness, serenity. So perhaps these things are somewhat more connected than we might possibly think. And because of that, we invited onto our podcast a very, very special guest today. Her name is Rebecca Saltzman. Rebecca is a personal organization expert and a sustainable lifestyle leader in the Jewish community. Decluttering, reducing waste, and a simplified Jewish life are all part of her premier book, Organized Jewish Life. The Essential Guide to Planning Jewish Holidays, Events, and Everyday. A busy mother of three and entrepreneur, she knows the struggles of keeping it all together. And each week, Rebecca helps people all over the world from all different denominations declutter their lives in her virtual decluttering sessions and power hours, and she's thrilled that her new book is impacting lives in a whole new way. People are finding happiness and peace beneath all of the clutter. She can be found on Instagram, Balagan Began, and her podcast, Journey to Organization. And Devorah and I have the great privilege in this podcast to sit down with her and have a conversation about all things connected to preparing for Passover and getting one's life in order and the spiritual benefits of doing so. Besides from being practical, this podcast, we get into many different uh, Torah, Jewish ideas, Jewish values around the subject of decluttering your home, but also your mind for Passover and for all year around. And I think that you will really enjoy my conversation with her. If you've been listening to the podcast last few weeks, I hope that you have been enjoying the different classes that revolve around the four stages of redemption and God willing, in just a couple of days, we'll post the next two episodes. And as I've been mentioning in previous podcasts, my new book, The Four Elements of Inner Freedom is available. You can purchase it on levx.org, my website, or at the publisher's website, mosaicpress.com or wherever Jewish books are sold. Without further ado, enjoy this episode on decluttering your home and your mind for Passover and for all year around. This is the Empowered Jewish Living Podcast, where we explore the beauty of Judaism, the depth of Jewish wisdom, and how to live a more empowered life. This episode is sponsored by OKClarity.com, the place for any Jew to find a top-notch therapist, psychiatrist, coach, or nutritionist, and it's completely free. And I'll tell you a little bit more about OKClarity a little bit later on in this episode. Rebecca Salzman, welcome to the Empowered Jewish Living podcast. How are you doing?
1: I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for having me.
2: I'm doing great.
0: And we have Dvora Buxbaum here. Shalom, Dvora.
2: Shalom, uvracha. Hello, everybody. Thank you for having me.
0: Dvora, you're taking your, I guess both of you are taking your, oh, I guess all of us are taking our break from Pesach cleaning to record this podcast. <clears throat>
2: <laughs> right. That's exactly what we're doing.
0: <laughs> Notice how I inserted myself in there.
2: <laughs> I'm sure you're very helpful.
0: I do my best. I do my best. and <laughs> a- And after this podcast, I'm going to be even more equipped.
2: No total disclaimer. I actually find it extremely therapeutic to clean for Pesach. It is one of the highlights of my year. I love it. Love Mm. it, love it, love it.
0: Well, we'll hear about. it. It's funny because
2: I said to
1: my husband, I was like, do you think we would ever clean the refrigerator if it wasn't for Pesach? And he's Mm -hmm. like, probably not.
2: Not the (laughs) way we clean it, especially.
1: No, for sure not. I mean, it's like. Thank God for Pesach, because I think most of our houses would be extra super dirty if it wasn't for Pesach.
0: Exactly. So we're exactly. So we're going to get into that. But before that, before we jump in, before we jump in, Rebecca, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. We know you as a family friend. We know you because your father is one of the holiest Jews of Silver Spring, Maryland. Um, uh, but let's hear a little bit of the listeners uh, for, for the listeners about who you are and uh, what is it that you do?
1: So I'm a personal organization expert and I help Jewish families all over the world get organized and declutter. I help women specifically in their small businesses as well, but mostly my my main purpose, the reason that I'm here is to help people figure out that having less is actually having more. It's so simple, but it's a basic Jewish tenant. And it's really, really, when you can implement it into your life, it's like really life-changing because... Um, The sages teach us in Pirkei Avot that, you know, more possessions, more worry. And I have, at first, when I first learned that, I was like, what are you talking about? That's bogus, more is more, more is better. Of course, why would I worry more? Because if I have more, that's just, it's better, right? But actually what I have found is that, especially as an adult, when you have more, you just have more responsibility and you end up being responsible to your stuff And what I find is that most of the time is that your stuff, instead of your stuff working for you, you end up working for your stuff. And most families, Jewish or not Jewish, it doesn't matter, don't have time to work for their stuff. They just don't they they have so many responsibilities you know the kids need to be one place and they need to work on their relationships and they have a job and they have self care and all these different components about how we need to manage within our day and what i have just found is that if you have more stuff it's just one extra thing to think about and worry about and manage and when you have less it just makes everything easier
0: you're like the the Jewish version of what's what's her name? Marie
1: Kondo. Marie
0: Mary Mary Kondo. Yes.
1: Mary Kondo. Except she recently came out and said, you know, I give up, basically. This caused
0: major controversy in our home. Yeah. Carry on. Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay. So she's like, I give up. But the thing is, is like that's because her theory was never adequate for someone with family.
2: Right. She said something about like, now that I have kids or she had a kid or something's changed. I don't remember the quote that I saw, she I several it. Kids. but it, she has several kids, something about yeah. like, to the point, like when you have kids, like good luck with this theory type of thing. Right.
1: right. But the, but the thing is, is like, it's possible to have less even when you have kids. And also when you have kids, like her theory is basically, if it sparks joy, then you should keep it. But when you have other people in the house, you don't, get to determine what sparks joy for them, right? Like your kids need to have certain things and it might not make you very happy to have it, but- Like a
0: bazillion baseball cards, them. for example.
1: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So so what's important and brings joy to somebody else isn't necessarily what you know will bring joy to you. So I think what's important to remember within her ideals or just within organization in general is it's not about bringing joy. It's about curating your best collection of things so that you can have things that bring you joy, but each person needs to do it for themselves. So in other words, it's important to teach your children, for example, how to make these decisions. If you have this, then you don't get to also have this because that's the way that life works. But a lot of times we have this disposable income and it's things are so cheap and it's like, yes, you can have this and you can have this it's not about the money and it's not even about the space really because what it ends up being about is how many objects can i actually care for Mm -hmm. like it doesn't matter if you have the money or the space to store all these things but keeping track of them is the real issue so when you actually have fewer items and when you teach your kids to make those decisions first of all you're doing your kids a huge service because you're enabling them to practice their uh, executive functioning muscle, or to strengthen their executive functioning muscle, which is really underdeveloped for most kids, um, and actually for most adults. So it's good to have to make those, those choices. If I keep this, then I can't keep this. If I keep that, then I can't keep this, right? Like, it's, uh, it's about making choices and figuring out what you actually need and what you don't need. And need is kind of like you know, a very general statement here, but like, what's actually going to be useful to you and what you can actually use. Once you start to serve your things, like, that's it, there's no point to them anymore. Your stuff is meant to serve you. And that's like a basic tenet in Judaism. Also, it's like, um, Pierre Gavos talks about this also, if, if when you have stuff, if it's not doing its purpose, then there's no point to having it. So, so like, Why would you hold on to something, you know, just because it's not serving you.
0: So, I mean, I'll share with you. (laughs) No, I'll share with you a point on that. I'll share a a point on that. No, that's, that's sort of, it's not, it's not pushing back, but I think it's really just to articulate a little bit, I think of the space that that people are in. So first of all, it's interesting. I just looked before, you know, we we were going to get on that uh, in in, the founder of the muster movement. Muster movement is the the, the self development personal growth movement of the late 1700s, mm-hmm. late 1700s muster movement. So the founder of that was Rabbi Israel Salanter, and there is a list that is attributed to him of thirteen traits yeah. that people should work on. I've heard that it's actually Benjamin. Some people say it's actually Benjamin Franklin's list.
2: Really interesting.
0: As that's what people have said. So, but there's thirteen traits. And I think that what we're speaking about over here is really touches on three three of them, because he has as one of those traits, seder, which is to be orderly, to have a life of order, right. which is not necessarily talking about physical order, but just organization, to be organized, to Correct. be a well-organized person. Another one is nikayon, to be clean, and this is a lot more of what we're speaking about, have your environment being clean, you being clean, presentable. And the third one, which this, I think, also touches on is I'm not really sure how to pronounce the word in Hebrew. I know we call someone kamsan, someone who's careful with their money. So I don't know the way he well, says it. K- kom- in Hebrew,
1: kamsan is really greedy.
0: Like, exactly. Exa- now <laughs> it has, right, exactly. It has a it has a negative connotation, but he has it on his list. K- komets is something I don't quite know how to, how to pronounce the word, but also to be thrifty is the way you find, mm-hmm. you know, to be careful with that. Um, uh, So all of these things very much touch on what he says is, you know, about being a whole person. Um, And just before we get back to just having less, maybe you can just speak a little bit about sort of just to take a little bit of a step back and to understand, like, why are all these things important for us, just from 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 a spiritual psychological perspective? Like, what is the difference between a person going through life and just having tons of stuff, being disorganized? Again, obviously, we don't want to miss meetings. You can't, you know, you know things like that, right? You can't you can't be obnoxious about it. But why do you think that this is so psychologically and spiritually important?
1: Because it's easier to function when you have fewer items, and What I have found is that having less allows me to have a better connection to God because I'm taking care of the stuff less and I can design my day in a way that I can focus on service to him instead of service of my stuff, which I think is critical because how can you connect to God if you don't make time for him?
0: So you're saying it's about preoccupation. It's about the more stuff you have, the more disorganized, the more you're preoccupied with sort of those the stuff of life, and not able to. Really well, let me give you an on. example.
2: Do you have a cleaning lady? We have somebody who helps us in our house. We yet. have
0: a housekeeper upstairs okay. right she now, a
2: couple times a week.
0: you okay. a vacuum so... during the podcast. <laughs>
1: okay. Do you clean up before she comes? <laughs> seriously okay so we have a cleaner who comes like once a month or every two weeks and i do spend a couple of minutes tidying up so that she can clean but to be honest i spend like literally maximum 20 minutes i have some clients who spend like 50 minutes an hour three hours whatever like a significant amount of time just to pick up the stuff before the cleaning lady comes. And then they get upset because the cleaning lady, she's like, <laughs> I don't know where any of this stuff goes. So it just all goes on the bed or it all goes in a basket or it just gets stuffed someplace, right? Just pushed into an area and nobody can find anything. And it's like, well, it's great that the house is clean but you don't know where anything is. And so first of all, there's a difference between being clean and being organized. That's number one. Number two is is that when things are organized, when everything in your house has a place to live, it makes the cleaning easier. So as we approach Pesach, I every year run a 36-day decluttering challenge um, before Pesach. And I end it like six or 10 days before Pesach because I don't consider spring cleaning to be Pesach cleaning. I mean, it's nice if you can do it, but for most people, they can't do it. They have too much on their plate. But What I try to teach people is that if you can let go of the excess prior to Pesach especially prior to Pesach then the cleaning for Pesach is actually easier it's not about Pesach cleaning equals spring cleaning it's that when you clear out all the excess in the house it actually becomes easier to actually clean but more than that What it does is it allows the process to be less stressful because you're not always worried about, okay, in order to clean this, I have to move that. And what it does is it allows you to spend the time that you need to spend on the cleaning versus time on arranging things to fit into all the cabinets so that you can clean. And that's the primary difference between cleaning and organizing, but what it, what it does is it allows you to spend time on the task at hand which is cleaning versus organizing which frees you up to have whatever other pursuits you want spiritual physical whatever it is you like to do but most people don't even I mean I love to organize but like I'd rather not organize in my house like I'd rather it just be good and that I can sit here and learn or read or do whatever I want like I don't want to have to spend time with myself.
0: stuff. Just, I'm Something realizing, I'm, as you're speaking, I'm realizing that it actually touches on a fourth character trait, of Yisrael Salanter, and that is Menucha mm-hmm. serenity, yeah, living life uh, with 100%. serenity. So these four traits are really all all connected.
2: Yeah, but I just
1: so ahead. you know, sorry, go ahead. You can go ahead. Um, la- the- it's a- ironic that you mentioned um, the thirteen. 13- Attributes of Israel Solantar because actually in last week's Parsha, um Hashem talks of, I mean, we hear the 13 attributes of God, right? We we learn his 13 attributes of mercy. And one of those is actually <inaudible> to clean and then not to clean. And what I found was really interesting mm-hmm. about that is that God, if you're a willing participant in the cleanliness aspect of things. God's going to be there. He's going to be your partner. He's, I mean, it's specifically talking about cleansing of your soul, but what I, what I read, what the forno says, that if you do repentance with love, um, you get a full, uh, a full, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for?
0: Kapara atonement.
1: Yeah, full atonement. There you go. But if you only are doing it out of fear, you don't get a full atonement because you're not you're not making an effort to actually change yourself. So what I what I took from that was that if you put in the effort to actually clean your house and organize your house and 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 organize yourself around that, God's gonna be your partner. He's going to show up and he's going to say, OK, you're putting in the effort. I'm going to help you. And I I just felt that that was a really, really amazing thing. Like, this is how he shows us mercy. If you're willing to put the effort in, he's going to help you. And if you're not and it's only like, you know, partial, partial effort, that's all he's going to give you back. And cool. that to me is like a really amazing way to 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 frame it for yourself. If you want God to be your partner, you got to show him that you're doing something to get on the train with him, you know? Like be his partner. Tell him you want to be there. Mm-hmm.
0: Beautiful. You know someone said once, I, I heard once a story about it was a a, a big Rosh Shiva who after the Holocaust he would continue like he used to do like very very menial work, scrubbing his front from his front steps, you know, cleaning his house. And his student said like, "Why are you doing this? Why why are you still doing this? Like we can get someone to help you. We could help you." And he said, "You know, when I was in the camps, and they asked me to clean the barracks, and I would do disgusting clean the you know toilets and things like that. And it was, and he said I had to remind myself like." this is God's world. I'm cleaning God's world. I'm making God's world beautiful. And that became so deeply embedded in me that even now, after the show is over, after the office is over, I still have deep within me, this love that I'm cleaning. I'm cleaning God's world. You know? Wow. I, think, gonna...
1: I mean, oh, sorry. I have a lot to say. Please, I mean, please, please.
0: No, we want to hear it. Go. <laughs>
2: um, no, I just, uh, I don't know. Go ahead. You're a woman of you're a woman of few things, but a woman with many words. <laughs> yes, lots of
0: thoughts. What were you gonna say before I was gonna say before
2: yeah. that, you know, I think one of the most so I, I happen to love organizing and I, I do find that everything I cannot claim that I have few things. Our house does not have few things, especially because we also house all the possessions for our organization, which take up like half of our storage room. Um, And also I had the, I had, I was having a discussion with my sister the other day when I realized like, you can't be the person who has few things, but also be the person who's going to have the extra booster seat and the extra pair of snow boots and the extra pair of snow pants when your neighbor is, you know, needing something. So like there, there also is what to say about that whole idea. But what I was going to say is that I think it was all, I don't remember which, which rabbi, which yeshiva, probably many, but they would go into the yeshiva and without even having to meet the boy and see how he was doing in his learning, he would ask, can I see his dorm room? Can I see his space? And when he would walk in and he would see what his surroundings looked like, was his bed neat, were his shoes neat, were his possessions neat, were his books, everything laid out, when he was neat and organized, he didn't need to check in on the boy. He said he's doing great. I can just tell by the way that his room looks, and I think that that idea of organization, when we think about like it, it, it is. It's when when our when our homes and our areas, our spaces are organized, it leads for a much more organized frame of mind, um, a way of thinking, and a way of existing. The whole the whole right. the whole system.
1: So, Rabbi Breitowitz actually put that in the foreword in in my book. He put that story in in the, oh. in the book.
2: Um, maybe so that's why it sound. Maybe that's where it was familiar maybe, from. I actually did
1: read the foreword. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So he put that in. So so maybe that's where you saw it. Um, yeah. But I think I think it's true when when the things around you are are organized, it's a lot easier for you to be organized in your mind. Mm-hmm. What I will say is, I don't consider myself a minimalist. Oh. I'm not a maximalist by any stretch of the imagination. We have what we need, but this is what I always tell, you know, the students in my challenge or in my membership. What I always tell people is this, if you believe in God and that God will give you what you need, he will give you what you need. Like maybe you'll have to ask your neighbor for it, or maybe you'll have to buy it, but you'll have the money to buy it. Right? Like what you have what you need, you will have. Hashem t- tells us in um the Chavot HaLavavot, uh, which is a, I believe a tenth century work um, he he writes there that God provides for us our daily needs, right? Every day we don't have to worry whatever we need for that day is going to be provided for us. so we can Hope and we can believe that God is gonna provide us with what we need. And when we let go of something that we're not using or that we don't need anymore, we can say to ourselves, and this helps my my ladies a lot, is when you pass something on that you are not using and that is taking up space that you can't afford to, to delegate to that object anymore, you take the bracha that was given to you and you pass it on to somebody else. You take your blessing and then you pass your blessing on to somebody else. And what this does is that it opens up a space for shefa, for abundance to come from God to you. Because if you want to receive something, where are you going to put it if you don't have the space? Like if you want something new, how can you accept it if you don't have a space for it? And it doesn't really matter if it's something monetary or physical or spiritual in order for you to be able to accept something you have to clear a space for it and so that's what having fewer objects really does for me is that it allows me to clear a space for the things that i really want to have in my life and it allows me to say like okay i had this and it was useful to me and god sent it to me when i need it but i don't need it anymore i don't need the high chair i don't need the rain boots i don't need those things anymore so i'm going to pass them on to somebody who can use them And in the meantime, they won't go bad because somebody's going to be using them. Right. And then I don't have to worry because if I ever need them again, I'll have them. Mm -hmm. I'll get them. Some way I'll get them. And I don't think we need to worry about being the one who is always giving things to other people. It's a nice feeling to be able to do that. But at what expense to ourselves? So
2: true. So true. I think
0: what you're saying is, is 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 beautiful. On the one hand, it is it's resonating with me very much. As you're speaking, I'm thinking about the fact that, like you know, when Hashem gave the man, the manna to the yes, Jewish people in the it's desert, a perfect
1: it was, example, right? It
0: was every single day, and that's really supposed to be for us the foundation of you know emuna, you know, even though. That being said, we are supposed to let let's I mean, we can get into you know saving money is, is probably a separate conversation, right? But we are supposed yeah. to do that as well. So, you know, there there are these two balanced things. I think that really where I get stuck in this whole thing is because I think there is the on the other hand of this, so, and 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 that is like I'm thinking of the the famous merjish, which is probably so deep, and I don't even know if it's a fair if it's a fair proof, but yet people use it. Yaakov Avinu, Yaakov Jacob, right? Mm-hmm. The night yeah. before with Asub. So the Medrash mm-hmm. says, for whatever this means, he oh, went back okay. to the other side of the river. Exactly, right? Oh. To get the, the Pachim Kitanim, which again, which the, the books of Musar they say, the Pachim Ketanim, the, the small jugs. And again, I'm, there's so many deep Kabbalistic explanations, but the most simplistic understanding is, you know, I think... I believe maybe even Rashi brings it. I don't remember um, that he was careful. You see, he was careful even about, you know, the smallest little things. And I think what I would think when when I think about it, and maybe this is just sort of this like, you know, you know, poor, you know, Jews were poor for many years. And maybe that's why we got this, you know, European Jews Jacob, were poor. Huh?
1: But Jacob was rich. Right, Jacob was rich. Jacob, right. Exactly.
0: Okay. Yeah. okay, you know, even, even
1: the more. Thing about that story is that he knew exactly what he had yeah. if you can do a, a, accounting in that way the way that yakov could then by all means have that met that amount of stuff
0: because they were That's valuable like, to him you're saying
1: right exactly yeah because th- that those pachim ktanim those small jugs it, it's rumored to be that that was the anointing oil used for the Beit mikdash
0: i understand i understand what you're saying
1: um Oh, it was important to him but he knew what he had he had an inventory yeah so if you can go ahead and inventory every single thing that you have if I told you how many times I hear the refrain I didn't know that I had that when mm. I'm decluttering with someone right. you I mean I'd be a, a millionaire because people say it numerous times in every single session and like you don't know what you have then it's too much
0: mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. he knew what he had Got it. Got it. That's, yeah, that is a powerful point. That is a powerful point. I, I you know, I guess we have this, you know, we, we, I guess we have this mentality um, of like, you know, you, you didn't, you didn't finish your, your cereal. So you hear the Jewish mother saying like, there's kids in Africa that are starving. And therefore you do, for, I, I, at least I know for me. I feel in a certain sense, like a bad person throwing something out. I don't mean food, throwing something out from the house that still could be reused, even though we're not going to reuse it. And I didn't know that we had it, but when it comes to actually taking it and placing it in the trash, there's this voice in my head that says, this is wasteful and this is not a good character trait, you know?
1: Okay. So when you're actually decluttering, that is a problem but there are lots of solutions because you can pass your things on to somebody else you don't have to throw them in the trash the problem isn't that we need to declutter necessarily the problem is that we have to t- you know cut it off at the pass we have to stop the consumption it's not it's if you consume less and actually here this is my favorite thing to talk about actually um the and 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 I didn't really understand these this until I moved to Israel because we moved in a Shemitah year, but the laws of Shemitah, which are the sabbatical years, uh, teach us exactly this with consumption, you should only take what you need because everything is holy. And when you have more than what you need, you have to dispose of it in a very specific way, right? So the laws of Shemitah are specific to food in Israel Um, food uh, and plants and things like that, Um, agriculture. But what Shemitah teaches us is that you should only make what you need and you should only take on your plate what you need. Because once you put it on your plate and you've taken more, like when your eyes are bigger than your stomach, right? When you take more than what you need, you end up throwing that out, because who's going to eat from your plate, right? And and even if it's like, not so good, you still have to be careful, because this is considered holy, this food is considered holy. And what we can take away from that is, everything is from God, right? It's all coming from him. The consumer aspect of things is that right now, everything, maybe not so much now, but things are relatively inexpensive. It's not hard to get what you want. So you think, okay, I'll go to Target and I'll I'll spend $500. And how many times have you come home from Target or Costco and you spend 500 or a thousand dollars and you're like, what did I just buy? Right. Like you have no idea what you just bought, right? Because you're like, okay, I need this. I need this, I need this. And we're not really thinking about what we need. So we end up wasting food that way. We end up wasting resources that way what we have to do in order to avoid the scenario that you talked about is we have to look at the root of the problem which is how are we consuming things resources hashem will always give us what we need but we do have an obligation to protect resources and they are scarce and so i mean we're here to be stewards of the earth if we don't do that then you know that's on us. We are supposed to leave the earth better than when we got it and protect what Hashem gave us. And by by consuming less, it's not a matter of money or space. It's just being responsible. Why should you consume more than you need? Shop with a list, be conscientious about what you buy, and then you won't be in the problem where you have too much clutter.
0: I love it. Let's take a quick break from this conversation to talk about OKClarity.com. OKClarity.com is the place for any Jew to find a top-notch therapist, psychiatrist, coach, or nutritionist, and it is completely free. OKClarity.com's professionals are vetted and have extensive experience working with the Jewish community. If you're in the marketplace for a therapist, coach, nutritionist, psychiatrist, or the like, or if you are a therapist, coach, psychiatric medication provider, or nutritionist, you must go check them out at OKClarity.com. Also, if you have WhatsApp, OKClarity has an amazing WhatsApp status or groups with thousands of obsessed followers their whatsapp is a free way to improve your mental health and they post great humor so you laugh too we'll put the links to their website and whatsapp in the show notes smash those links you won't regret it a a diamond i heard a few years ago a diamond dealer told me he said the whole jewelry industry has changed because it used to be that when someone came in they wanted to purchase something that was going to be this special family piece that was good they would put it would be a big investment but it would be something that the plan was that this is going to be like the piece and it's going to be there for generation after generation and uh, today's culture is much more like they we want more cheaper pieces you know it's a whole sort of different uh different angle yeah
1: it's It is, and yeah. and everybody wants first hand. There's like some sort of stigma against against buying second hand, but like, I mean, sometimes you can't buy something secondhand. It's not available, but there are so many things that are available second hand. Why shouldn't you use that resource? Yeah. it It doesn't make sense to me. It's like it's perfectly good <clears throat> excuse me, it's perfectly good. Why wouldn't you use it? Mhm. I don't know. I love thrifting. It's like the hunt, you know,
0: It's something that you, you, you brought this up earlier, but I want to just go back to it and maybe just focus on it a little bit more because it is Pesach time. So I think this is the million dollar question. And that is how do we approach? What is the correct quote unquote? Okay, what is the correct way to approach Pesach cleaning? And obviously, there's no clear answer, and it's going to be different for everyone. But on the one hand, one could say Pesach cleaning is about getting your house kosher for Pesach. And that is actually relatively simple. It isn't hard. You don't have to go crazy. You don't have to start you know, washing down the walls and things like that. That being said, we know that it's sort of part of our Jewish Tradition, that tradition. It it has become sort of cust- culturally, you know, the way it is that people do turn over their entire house and they do turn it into spring cleaning. And while we could say, okay, that's silly, don't do it. Yeah, you, ha- you kind of have to wonder again what we pointed out before that Nikayon is definitely it's a Jewish trait, and you're in cleaning mode. Seder organization is a Jewish trait, and the the highlight of Pesach is called the Seder. So it does seem to be that this time of year, you know, is more than just about getting rid of the chametz, but maybe there is something more to Pesach cleaning as we're getting into a new season to become Organized to become. So, what is the overall approach? How do you advise people? I think that there's a, an argument to be made for both sides of how to approach Pesach cleaning.
2: Well, just some it's... of it. Some of that you started talking about before. That right. that's kind of like step one. You know, that like if you want to do the proper and have it easy to actually do the halachic Pesach cleaning, you have to have the spring cleaning right. done. So, part of that you did. You did already address. But are you saying like overall, right. just to give the just the, the approach?
1: Right. right, so the decluttering early on to get rid of the excess, and I see that in my challenge now, all the ladies are like, oh, you wouldn't believe where I found jameis, right? Like, <laughs> in the bottom of the toys, in the back of the closet, right? Like, when you have kids, you never know where it's going to show up. Uh, so there, is, is there is true. <laughs> yeah. So there is some level of needing to, you know, manage the toys a little bit or just check in those areas because... There could be there could be hammates there, like legitimately Cheerios or cereal or whatever, right? But what I have found is that oh recently over the years is that people have taken on a lot of stringencies. And sometimes if you have the time to do that, great, you should do it. But don't <laughs> feel bad for taking the easy way. You know, like if you're just doing the bare minimum, that's okay. If you're gonna close off cabinets. That's okay. You don't have to clean every single cabinet, right? You don't, it's nice, but then sell your chamez, right? Like we have these loopholes in place for a reason. Is it optimal that you want to do it? Maybe not. I don't know. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go down that road, but but it's there for a reason. So so take advantage of a leniency when you can. If that's gonna if time management is a problem for you and that's gonna make things easier, or if you were sick this year, or if you were whatever you were like if you need the leniency take it mhm
2: i i think um it is very important you know because i i tend to do a lot of spring cleaning while i pesach clean which is why yeah. usually around two bishvat actually that's like my marker, like, okay, let's at least just start like being aware. And I love that you do your challenge, like leading up this month before, because there is right. something in the air, like spring cleaning is already in the air anyways. So I love the idea. But for me, it's very important that I, I will literally say out loud to my children, I want you to understand this is spring cleaning. This is not Pesach cleaning, because what I want them to realize is that it's not the same. And right they should recognize, like, I don't know how each of them are going to grow up and the type of anxiety that they're going to have around it. And I want them to know this is, I'm doing this because the house needs to be decluttered. And this is a great time of year to do it. And when I sit down at my Pesach Seder, ah, it feels so good to know that I've been able to do that, which is why I start, you know, slowly leading up. But I think it is so important for everybody to recognize there really is that difference. But
1: I just want to say this, my mom used to do the same thing where she would start, you know, early, like, right after Hanukkah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I saw that in the book. I was like, Ooh, that is next level.
1: <laughs> no, she was like, after Hanukkah, she's like, no more eating downstairs. It's all, it's almost time for pays off, Right. Yeah. And like that, once she cleaned an area, we were not allowed to eat there anymore. Mm-hmm. And it was like, and, and that became like the thing, like, okay, this area is clean. I know I did it. It's done. Right. What I always tell my, my followers is, uh, once, and this is, actually much easier in israel than it is in the u.s but once we clean an area for pesach i switch the kids over to like kidney oat snacks
0: hmm.
1: so that if we find them it's not a big deal because even though we don't eat kidney oat they're not the mates right so hmm. i say to them okay we're gonna stop eating pretzels like the before pesach we stop eating like snacks that are like humates and I switch them over to snacks that are kidney oats. So rice So cakes convenient
2: and... right after Purim when we have a thousand <laughs> snacks that are so not kidney out, right? Yeah.
1: But, but, but seriously, then it, then it, they still feel like they can eat around the house freely, but I don't have to worry that like nice. there's going to be humates there. So that's one way that I've like reduced the don't eat there kind of feeling that I used to get when I was a kid, because it's something that is. drive the kids you know? crazy. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah
0: let's speak a little bit about your book organize the jewish life because the book goes way way beyond decluttering so tell us a little bit about what what your overall goal and intention of this book was tell us about the book
1: so i wrote the book after my mom passed away um and i had to sit shiva during lockdown basically by myself in israel without having the knowledge of that comes with sitting shiva with your family and my husband, thank God has also never said Shiva and he's like, just tell me what to do. And I'm like, I wish I had a list to just give you and you could check off the list because wouldn't that be amazing? And I thought about it and I'm like, that would be amazing. <laughs> so I designed a series of checklists because I thought who's gonna just want a Shiva checklist, right? So I designed checklists for basically every single situation throughout the Jewish life cycle and beyond so that nobody has to feel like I felt. And what I wanted to do was stop the gatekeeping because we have all this knowledge around us, but it's sometimes hard to get that information. And as far as I know, there isn't any other book on the market that's like this, uh, where there's checklists and how to get things done. And 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 specifically for so many um, events in the Jewish life cycle, both happy and sad. And what I felt was that like, we don't talk about the sad ones for sure. And we often don't even talk about how to manage this machot, how to manage the happy, joyous occasions, right? So what I felt was we need something. So I did it in memory of my mother. Um, and I I wrote I wrote this book because my mom was an amazing hostess. She really was. She wasn't the most organized person ever, but in her own way, she was. But again, she had all this just knowledge sort of in her head. And I felt like there has to be a way to transmit it to everybody. And that's what I hope that I did with this book.
2: There is so much brilliance to this. And you should know what's fascinating about what you're saying. I love the way you said we shouldn't be gatekeepers. Because my girls were looking through this book and they were like, yeah, we we know a lot of this stuff. I was like, exactly. That's kind of the point. It's to put it from here into here so that we can right. pass it on to people who might not know this stuff. Yeah, there also right. is a lot of stuff that you added, like a lot of beautiful insights just into, you know, little things to say, to not to say, to where, to what, to not to wear, like just the little things that are so helpful. I mean, you really thought of yeah. every detail over here. It's unbelievable. I tried. Yeah. I, I, really I'll brilliant.
1: say this. I fe- I feel like What it is, is it's like, it's meant to be like your big sister talking to you. There you go. Sometimes we just don't know what we don't know. And this is supposed to be the jumping off point for you. But what I also found was that even though I grew up religious, there there were things that I didn't know till like later on in life. Like, Arif Tafshilin, okay? I I, Sorry, I'm not really sure how to translate that. But like, the blessing that you say when you have a Shabbat that goes into a, a, a holiday that goes into a Shabbat. I mean, in theory, I might have known about it, but I don't even think I remember my mom ever doing it till I was like 16 or 17. And it's not something you do in front of the whole family, right? It's something that you do just sort of on the side. And so I feel like even when you grow up religious, you might not know how to do something within, or you might not know that you need to do something. And I remember standing at the Yom Tov candles, at the holiday candles, and being like, okay, do we say Shachianu tonight or do we not say Shachianu tonight? And it's like, I just put down what I felt like we were always trying to remember, because mm-hmm. if I was trying to remember it, then how many other people are trying to remember all these things? Like, we don't need to keep it all in our head. We can have a resource. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. What, what, what I find fascinating, and maybe you can speak to this if you have any any tips on this, because when, I, when we're having this conversation, like, you are clearly not a robot. You're actually a very pleasant person. We're having a very good conversation. You know, you seem like a very fun and funny and lighthearted person. You know, you don't seem like a rigid, like, you know, very but yet, I mean, I, I know for me, like when I'm overwhelmed by something, uh mm-hmm. just to try to just sit down and just try to break it down into like, you know, bite-sized pieces. Okay, first we have to do this and then we have to do this. this. I like I get heart palpitations. Just doing it because there is definitely so it's difficult, it's difficult to take an overwhelming, you know, mush of what life looks like and to break it down. And you pretty much did this for like your entire, like every aspect of life right here. More, there's more, there's more in there than just the Jewish calendar. Well, there's, this there's things with building there's, a home, there's, and yeah, there's, there's so much, there, there's so much here. So, do you have? Speak about this idea of creating lists and creating charts and how you see, how what role you think that it plays in a person's life and what are some practical tips in a person trying to get organized by breaking their life down in this way?
1: Okay, so I think that we're all innately organized people. I, I, I think we are. I think some people manage to flex that muscle a little bit more than others, but that's only because they practice it and they understand how to practice it. And they've had from a young age, the ability to flex that muscle. What I have found is that lists help with time management in a very, very significant way, because what it does when you lay out all the steps, even if it's for something very obvious, like you know how to do it already, when you lay out the steps, what you can do is you can budget your time better. So if you're making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, you know, you need a minute to take the bread out of the refrigerator. You need a minute to pull the peanut butter off the shelf. You need a minute to take the jelly out, right? You need a minute to get the knife out. You need a minute to get the plate out. When you add all that up, then you understand how long that really takes. But if you don't take a minute to figure out all the steps involved, it's gonna be much harder to figure out how much time you should designate for a task. And this is true with Pesach too. When you, see what needs to get done, you have to look at the task at hand and see, okay, how much time do I need to designate it and work backwards from the Seder so that you can figure out when you should slot things in, but also how much time you need to allot to things. And I think I'm not a robot, that is true. Um, What this skill has given me is the ability to manage my time better. So for example, with Pesach cleaning, what i always tell people is whatever you think it's going to take you add a buffer time to so if you think the oven is going to take you 2 hours to clean add 45 minutes
2: you know <laughs> because maybe it'll you give yourself
1: is- right give yourself some extra time and what i found is that when you can break down the task within what is in the oven cleaning, you know, first you have to do the door. Then you have to do the inside. Then you have to take the racks out. Maybe you need to heat the racks. So when are you going to do that in relationship to cleaning? Right? So there, it seems like a very straightforward task, right? Clean the oven, but there are a lot of steps to cleaning the oven. Mm-hmm. So I see my, you...
2: my biggest glitch here with the uh, time management. When you started talking about the peanut butter and jelly sandwich, I was like, yeah, 60 seconds tops. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not yeah. right no that's because 100%, that, once right. everything
1: is out then you have to put it away too right like right. you got to think right.
2: about it you got to
1: wash the plate and you got to wash the knife mm-hmm. and like it seems like it's simple so the oven seems like a simple task but you have to first of all one of the things that people don't Think about when they're cleaning the oven is in order to kosher it for Pesach you got to give yourself a wait time of 24 hours from the last time you used it right so like if you're gonna burn it out so some people clean it and then wait and then kosher it some people just wait clean it and then kosher it like do it however you want I don't care whatever order you want to do but understand the order of operation and that there is more steps than just get the easy off and spray it and scrub it down there's more involved than just doing
0: that. so you pretty much How you leave you- extra time for everything in your schedule you leave that buffer for everything
1: yeah because also i'm not a robot i need to use the bathroom i need to get a drink of water i my kids sometimes need something in between when i'm doing something like yeah to, leave, yeah, I need to, to not leave that. yourself that extra time yeah, I think that's is, right. is not helpful <laughs> so in the
0: world of Rebecca Salzman right now, if I told you I, I, in three minutes from now, I said, by the way, guess what? You're making a wedding next month, you know, by the way, yeah. how old did you like, <laughs> so immediately that's where, oh God, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it. Like that's your, fir- your first step is go to the list, break it down, break everything. You're, you're, you're a list person that guides you sort of through your life.
1: And it wasn't always like that for me, but I quickly realized that that enables me because I have an excellent memory. But what I found is, is that it doesn't matter how good your memory is, sometimes things fall through the cracks. Now there's a difference between something falling through the cracks because you couldn't remember it and something falling through the cracks because it's not important or there just isn't enough time to get it done. And I didn't like the feeling of something falling through the cracks because I forgot. That didn't feel good to me. If I couldn't prioritize something, okay, then I can't prioritize something, but to not remember something didn't feel good. So I take the off of myself, which, by the way, is a great anxiety reducer overall. And I just I let the notebook do the work. Right. I let my Google calendar do the work. I let my email do the work for me. Like the key is to work smarter, not harder.
0: Rebecca, when your father was at our Shabbos table and he told us about what <laughs> you're doing, I'm like, this is the person that I need to have on the podcast and uh, (laughs) this was so you totally totally uh delivered so thank you so much for sharing all this insight
2: there's so much more to talk about thank you so so much for being on with us today i'll come on another
1: time
0: do you want to share about where people could find more of you where they can buy the book share a little bit of that with us
1: Sure. The book is called Organized Jewish Life. It's available on Amazon. Uh, there's also a companion planner to go with it. So I put all the checklists. I arranged everything for Shabbos. All you have to do is fill in the information and there's a checklist that you can follow to manage every week for Shabbos. It's called the um, Organized Jewish Life Shabbat and Holiday Planner. And uh, they go together. But, you know, you don't need you can have one or the other. But, you know, I think you should have both
0: thank you and it's beautiful they're so beautiful such a beautiful yeah, thing they, to have around thank Rebecca thank you oh, thank tip. you so much thank you and wishing you a safe and organized road until Pesach and okay. a beautiful Pesach and thank you all oh, thank you again for your time this is really great thank, thank you Thank
1: you. thanks for having me
0: thank you so much for listening I hope that you'll subscribe to the podcast and you can always go to Rabbi Shlomo.com for more great content and resources, and to connect directly with me.